And uh, man, I'm glad you're here. Turn over, if you have your scriptures with you, turn over to the book of James, chapter 5. If you'll turn there with me, we'll find ourselves in text there today. And um, it's a warning to the rich and to wait well. It's kind of a two-part message in one today as we gather. He has this whole thing about the rich, and we'll see who the rich are. And then he transitions over in about verse 7 over to about waiting. And, oh, man, that's a, that's a message that's kind of hard. But as we get there together today, we'll, we'll see what he's talking about. Listen to the word of the Lord with me. Just listen to these first verses. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you've accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The wages you held back cry against you. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of the heaven's armies. You've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves from the day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Now we'll get to the next section in a minute. And I know you're going, man, that is not the most encouraging, exhorting word I've ever heard in church. I mean, I, I told you that James is kind of that no-nonsense theologian, half-brother of Jesus. He just kind of says it like it is. He, he, I don't think he took any Dale Carnegie courses. I don't think he'd ever been to a John Maxwell leadership seminar. I don't think he'd learn anything about trying to be positive and trying to love somebody up. He just kind of goes, hey, I come as a servant of Jesus. Boom, here's what you need to do. But, but I kind of like it. It's just straightforward. And I'm like, well, I'm not wondering. But here he, he starts off with these rich people. And a lot of times people always go, oh, these rich people. So you go, well, that ain't me. But, you know, if you're an American, if you're Canadian, if you're, that's my son-in-law, if uh, him and Jason in our church, we have, we have two Canadians in our church. And, and if, if, you're a, if you're a Westerner, if you're a North American, you're considered one of the richest people. You're probably in the top 1% to 2% of the richest people in the world. I mean, we're a blessed people, and some, hey, maybe more means than others, but it's just kind of interesting as we look at that. So he jumps in there, and there's this word in the Greek. It's uloluzo. It means to shrink and to cry aloud. He tells them to weep because they're rich. And I think it's because they weren't rich in Christ. I think it's because they didn't have a relationship with God. Hey, you're trusting in the goods of this world. You're trusting in these resources. And how many agree that we need the resources of this world? Well, they kind of make the world go around. I mean, God's created systems, so we, we need those resources, and they're important. But when we get them in wrong alignment, in wrong priority, in wrong order, and they kind of become our God, we begin to serve them and not God, then we find ourselves in trouble. So here in this verse, he says, Come now, listen up, pay attention, weep well, cry out, sob out loud. So he's talking to those that they basically, they have made their wealth their idol. The idolatry that we've talked about here several times of our hearts, little small idols that crop in. And sometimes this is kind of a big idol when we think about being Americans that we, we have these things we deal with. So he tells them, prepare to weep because it's not that you had money. There's nothing wrong. I'll say that probably a few times a day. There's nothing wrong with wealth. Wealth is not sinful in itself. It's the wrong priority, the wrong worship, the wrong focus of it. It's when we take our wealth and we hoard it up 
Uh, I don't know, have you ever watched that show, The Hoarders? You're saying, no, I don't have to, it's my house. I mean, you know, I, I've been to some houses before, and you walk in, and you got to kind of move stuff out of the way just to get through the front door, you know what I'm saying? We used to have these members, and we've had so many, you would never guess, but I never will forget. This guy came to me, and this guy's mom, she, this was before we even talked about hoarding. This was like 20 years ago. And he says, really, I think she has some mental issues. He said, I love my mom. My mom was a hoarder. I said, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. He says, no, my mom was a hoarder. I said, how bad was it? I should have never asked that question. He says, Keith, when we cleaned out my mom's house after her death, it took us three and a half months and multiple dumpsters to dump all the stuff that she had hoarded. She was a woman that had great means, and she, would, she wouldn't buy a pair of socks. She'd buy a whole bin of socks. She wouldn't just buy a few pair of panties for herself. She bought the whole rack. And he says, it's embarrassing. And I would go through, and I would just see racks. And then I got into the pantry, and it was just the whole house was just stacked up. And you're saying, well, Keith, that's severe. But if we're not careful, I, I, I don't, is, is anybody in here a pack rat? You're lying. Some of you are. And we like to hold on to stuff. I have some tendencies there where I like to hold on to stuff. So this hoarding. So he says, that's what's, you've got a, a misuse of this. So the Bible doesn't condemn us for wealth because even our Lord Jesus Christ, there was a rich guy that helped out Jesus, not that Jesus needed help. He loaned, loaned is operative word, Jesus the tomb. His name was Joseph of Arimathea, very, very wealthy guy. Also, there was David. He was wealthy. How about Solomon? He had big-time wealth. Barnabas had wealth. Philemon had wealth. Many others had wealth. And there's one woman, she dealt in purple linen. Her name was Lydia. She was very wealthy. So all through the scriptures, we don't say that the Lord condemns people because they're wealthy. It's just because they maybe have a misuse. Maybe they hoard it. Maybe they do something wrong. So he says here, right here in this first section, listen, pay attention and if you track through scriptures, you'll see the Lord talks about money a lot. Because he knows there we'll find our treasure, we'll find our hearts. If we get wrong directives, if we get wrong elect, uh, direction there. Now here, I just wrote down six lessons learned. Number one, wealth always carries responsibilities. It carries great responsibility. To whom much is given, much is to whom much is given, much is required. And us, as a family of God, us that maybe have means, there's a lot required. One time, Larry Burkett, a guy that mentored me in finances 40 years ago, he says, I believe that the Lord will hold the Western world responsible for financing the great commission of Jesus Christ because of the great wealth he's entrusted to Americans. And there's some truth in that. I think it does carry great responsibility. Listen to this. The fifth, write down, I don't have time to read it all. If we had an hour, I would read it all to you. But if you'll look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and chapter 6, it talks about our wealth. And it talks about the sobering teachings of Scripture and that wealth is a responsibility that God entrusts to us that we steward the wealth that He embraces us with. So, Lord, how well do I... And steward's not a very 2020 word. We would say manage. The wealth, the resources that God entrusts to each of us in this congregation, how well do we manage that? Do we keep our perspective straight? 
we are a manager of that which the Father owns. How many agree today that God owns everything? Everything in the earth is the Lord's. It's all His. This church is His. Your house is His. Your car is His. You're like, really? My car is God's. I'm giving it back. You know? And we kind of laugh about it. Man, I don't know about this car, man. This car. And I never will forget when Jay, he was a colonel, retired here. He was from Hawaii. He went back to Hawaii suffering for Jesus. And I remember one day his car tore up, and he called me. He said, Pastor, i got to talk to you. He said, man, my car just blew up as I went through McDonald's. I thought, well, maybe, you know, I am. And I said, okay. He says, you know what? This is God's car. It's God's responsibility to take care of this thing. And I just trust God. I said, wow, that's pretty cool. And he had a bag of French fries, and he trusted God. Okay, so here we go. But God gives us blessings to be stewards, to manage those well. Look at the second lesson. We cannot ever afford to ignore God's will. God gives us clear scriptures, commands, precepts, principles from his word to follow, to build our life around. I'll give you a passage here. You should just write in the margin. A lot of you, I look at your notes sometimes. You leave them behind. You take them with you. And then some of them are clear like you never opened them. That's okay. It just hurts my feelings. Luke, no, it really, really does. But, but I'll get over it quickly. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. Just listen to the word of the Lord. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself this is how it be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward is not rich toward see god wants us to be rich in him rich in the 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 person the identity the relationship of christ jesus so god help us to look to you lord would you be our safeguard for now and for the future. Lord, could I look to you? Lord, I thought this abundance was for me, and yet this abundance that you've given me, it's for you, for me to steward, for me to manage for the glory of Christ. Lord, I don't want to store up for myself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But I want to store up for myself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Listen to the rest of this reading. The eyes are a lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, uh, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. And how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, love the other, or you will be devoted to the one, despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. We have to choose. So God, I want to serve you. And it's easy to have lip service to God, to others. Oh, God, I love you. God, I'll serve you, God. Well, I'll tell you a great place to check. Just look at your, 
I used to always say, look at your checkbook. But I ask people all the time now, I, I, ask, I ask millennials this all the time. Hey, do you have a checkbook? And they look at me. Checkbook. What is that? I go, I didn't think so. And a few years ago, I'd ask young moms. I go, man, do, do y'all write any checks? They're like, no. And then someone said, yeah, the only check I write is maybe to daycare and to our church. So I realize people are just getting away from checkbooks or your debit account or whatever it is or online giving. But if you just look at your statement of financial dealings, you could see, man, the Lord, I don't just give him lip service. I follow in practicality that, Lord, I want to give to you. I want to put you first. Lord, I want to seek you. Lord, I want to lead a righteous life that honors Christ. This giving thing is what God set up for us. It's how he resources the church. It's how he resources missionary. It, no, it's greater than that. It's how he resources the efforts of the kingdom of God. And the church said, your gifts matter. When you're dead, when you pass from this life to the next, it won't be about, oh my goodness, I was a hoarder for Jesus. I think that's an oxymoron. I was a hoarder. I was it. Man, I had money. I had stocks. I had bonds. I had cars. I had whatever. Or I had a house. Or I had a car. Or I had guitars. I, I, I had this friend one time. He had eight Taylor guitars in his closet. Now, if you know anything about musicians, Taylor guitars are coveted. Are they not musicians? They're very expensive. He had eight of them in one closet. And this guy one time, I, I know we had a worship leader here one time, and he came to him one day, he says, I want to give you something. And that was one of his love languages. He would give away Taylor guitars. Somebody said, give me his number. I am not. But I thought it was pretty cool. Spencer, just keep playing. Maybe we'll get you one one day, son. Okay, here we go. How many of you enjoyed Spencer? Can you just put your hands together and thank God for this new teenager? Isn't that awesome? Playing for Christ, getting more confidence every day. I cannot wait, but I can wait because I want to enjoy now. Today is the day the Lord has made, but by the time he's a senior, oh my goodness. Uh, Spencer, what grade are you in? Praise God. You got a while, son. You got a while. Okay, here we go. Look at, look at that. Lesson, lesson three. Hoarding is a massive, is massive waste in greed. So this whole uh, hoarding thing, I talk about it. Hoarding is where you or me, we, we collect goods, but we keep them for ourselves. Because we're afraid that we might not have something. And, and there was a generation or two or several ago, after the Depression, that generation, it was amazing. It, 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 if you go to some of their houses, they have more food than other people. You know why? Because they knew what it was not to have a lot during one time. So they would begin to, to, to gather stuff, and they would buy more. And it, it, in the Publix or whatever, you go there, and if you get two, you can... You know, you, you can get one and all that kind of stuff, and you get all these deals. And they would just, they'd get salad dressing, and they'd get ketchup, and they'd get, I mean, they just get, you go in their houses, and their pantries would just be full. But there's always something that happens with hoarding. When you hoard, you know what happens? That stuff goes bad. Has, has anybody besides me ever had to throw stuff in the garbage that went bad? Yeah, it's like, oh, man, I wish I'd have spent that money on somebody else. I wish I'd have given that money away for the glory of Christ. I wish I'd have done this. So keeping it all for ourselves. Um, here it is. Notice the false reality that hoarding gives. It's deceptive. Hoarding makes you feel like, well, I, I've got more than the other person. Well, you do, and if you've got to watch out, I'd be prideful. But at the same time, it might be that you, you want to give them away. I mean, you're like, well, man, I got more fishing lures than anybody else. How many fishing lures can you read? I got more golf balls than anybody else. Well, you might need more golf balls than anybody else because you play so horrible. Or I've got more of this. I think over the years, stuff that I've gotten into, and I'll collect them. You remember when you were a little kid and you would collect those little matchbox or hot wheels? Anybody do that besides me? 
and, and one wasn't good, two was better, ten would be great, and 30 or 40 would be awesome, and if you got over that, you can't play with me because you're selfish. You know, Cheryl, before she left, she found her son's collection of Hot Wheels and Matchbox one day. And she came to me, she says, you know what, I'd like to give these to your grandsons. I said, really? She goes, yeah. She goes, what am I going to do with them? I'm thinking, right, I mean, you know, 70-something year old woman playing with a Matchbox, I'd be like, yeah, you know. And when my grandsons come to the office, they love to go over there and pull the, the cars out of the bag. And I got to tell you, for a nanosecond, Pastor Keith thinks he's about six again. I look in that thing, I go, glory! Because I remember, how many of you used to play with Matchbox and Hot Wheels? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Some of you are like, what is a Matchbox or a Hot Wheels? Okay. Well, they were big deals. I think they cost 69 cents or a dollar back then. Now they're like, you got to take out a loan to get one. Okay, here we go. So, hoarding is deceptive here here's another thing hoarding just write this in it gives a false sense of security you see when you hoard when, when we don't manage money as the lord thinks here or as he tells us here uh, we think that we need to have more possessions but they really demonstrate that all we want to do is we want more but what we need more of is him what we need more of is jesus what we need more of is more filling of the holy spirit what we need more of is no more life in christ what we need more of is people to connect with in christ not more stuff and and i gotta tell you this message is very convicting to me i hope it's convicting to you and and, and you just look at stuff and you're like man i got more stuff than i need i, I look in my closet i'm like how how did i get these shirts how you know, used to, I, I remember growing up, I had a few pair of shoes, and that's all I had. As I've gotten older, you know, I, I've, I've got more shoes. I've got more tennis shoes today than I ever dreamed of having. I, I, and, and as I got older, I found out that really good shoes make a difference for your feet. Because, see, used to, I'd go down to Kmart, they had the cheapest shoes, and they ruined my feet, okay? So we didn't know much about stuff like sunscreen then. That's another lesson in itself. We didn't know about wearing good shoes. So I got all these shoes, but at the end of the day, you know how many shoes you can wear at one time? Two that's all you can wear and i know and and, and I, I just stepped on some of you women's feet you just, oh, oh pastor pastor look at my shoes today i got so many pairs i go glory to god glory to god that's awesome and i, I like shoes and you but you love shoes okay here you go so well here right this is a kingdom thought wealth is to be used not hoarded wealth is to be used for the glory of christ so, Lord, you've entrusted to us. Help us to do. Uh, listen to Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Don't withhold from others what is due to them. If you owe something, pay them fairly and timely. When somebody does something for you, make sure you pay them. If somebody works for you and your company, make sure that you pay them a good wage. And the church said, it's just good. It's just healthy. I mean, it's, it's important. Don't abuse it. Love, love kindness. Walk humbly before your God. Look at the fourth one. Here it is. Our wealth management will be judged. That, that's a big word for just resources, for, for wealth, for growing stuff. And so that's a big word in, in, in the financial world today. Brokers have become wealth management folks, and they call their companies that. But here's what I know. Our true identity, I want, you, I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing I say today, I want you to hear this so carefully in your heart, whether you have one penny or lots of pennies, Okay. Romans 6.23 reminds you and me of an eternal principle. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
My wages, your wages, they deserve one thing, and it's not good. They deserve death, separation. But we forfeit that in our relationship with Christ. Man, that is awesome news. And then I want to just, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this over in the margin. There's two extreme financial teachings out there. And I don't happen to agree with either one of them, but I want to give them to you. One of them is very popular in the church today. It's called Prosperity Gospel. And, you know, and I, I, I just kind of reek and I get kind of sick because I, I just don't see that's what Scripture teaches. And there's another one. It's the, it's the prosperity gospel. And then there's this poverty gospel. And I think, I think they're both really kind of on both extremes of the spectrum. Somewhere in the middle of that, God has, has always given us resources to be managed for His honor, for His namesake, to take care of our families, to honor, to bless our families, to bless others, to, ple- to bless the orphans, the widows, the homeless, the poor, the rich, the down and out, the, the ministries, whatever. But God has given us resources. And how many of you are grateful this morning that the Lord has blessed you? Can you just give God some praise this morning for the blessings that he's given you? Yeah, I mean, this morning, you drove over here in a car. And... and, and even you, Adam, you and Heather live across the street. If anybody could walk, it's your family. But they do have three little ones. And I bet, I don't know, I bet you drove this morning. Am I right? Look at that. Adam drove to church. That's awesome. I'd drive too if I lived across the street. And some of you are like, but pastor, I drove a long ways. Praise the Lord. We'll give you gas money on the way out. We will not. But we're glad you're here. Okay. <laughs> Somebody like me. Hey, do y'all remember when gas went to four dollars a gallon? I remember it. Our church was really a large church at the time, and I remember we had a lot of Prattville folks at the time. And I remember several families that they came and met with me and they went, Pastor, I love you. They're always sucking up and setting me up when they say I love you. Pastor, I love our church. I love our children. I love our youth. I love, oh, okay, you love. You got that out of the way. Tell me now. But when anybody tells me, but, I know something's coming. But gas is $4 a gallon. We're not going to drive anymore to there. We're going to find a church in our community. And we lost some wonderful families during that season. How many of you are grateful now that gas is somewhere around 206, 209, 211, 212? How many, get, how many are thankful for that? That's even with a new gas tax. I mean, it's good. It's a good day, isn't it? So now we have people coming from South Georgia here. We do not. Anyway, all right. So listen to Proverbs 30, verse 8. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. That's what he was trying to teach us. Here's what faithful stewardship is. It's positioning our hearts in a way that God can spend us our resources in any way that he so chooses father you've blessed me and i want to be a a conduit of the blessings of christ so lord position me in this church in a way that we can spend money your money in a way that honors you that's a great prayer that's a humbling prayer that's a sobering prayer that's a prayer that'll give christ honor Look at that, that's lesson four, lesson five. Ignore God's will and you'll serve the wrong master. It's easy to serve masters of this world of systems and Christ wants us to serve him. 
In James 5, 4, it says, The wages you fail to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Just do the right thing. Pay the right wage. Pay the fair wage. Pay the good wage. Pay the extravagant wage as much as you can. Just be kind. Just be generous. Just be gracious. It just, it just brings honor to the Father. Lord, we want to serve you and not ourselves. But Lord, we have to be reminded because it's so easy to want to serve me, to want to serve ourselves. But we want to serve the kingdom. And look at the sixth lesson. We overindulge ourselves. Oh, man, that, that one's hard. I, I'm reading this. I'm like, what? In verse 5, he says, you've lived on earth in luxury, self-indulgence. You fatten yourselves in the day of slaughter. I'm like, oh, man, this doesn't sound very good. And if you look over at Deuteronomy 8, 6 through verse 16, I want to just zero in there on verse 14. And then your heart will become proud if you forget the Lord your God. That's the thing. I don't want us as the people of faith to forget the Lord when we have much. I don't want us to forget the Lord when we have little. And a lot of times when we have little, we don't tend to forget the Lord. We're crying out for a miracle. But when we have much, if we're not careful, we neglect the Lord. This week, I was humbled. Uh, I had a two-hour worship set. Matter of fact, I'm probably not going to finish my talk today. I might have to come back next week. I had, um, uh, I, got, I had a two-hour worship set that night from 9.30 to 11.30. Me and Jesus were so tight. I was just in the zone of, of Christ. Next morning I got up, I was in the zone. I hit my prayer walk before I hit the day. I was in the zone. As soon as I got back from the walk, I got a phone call. And the land deal fell through next door. We were almost a few weeks from closing. My heart sank. I mean, man, I mean, you don't realize that is very catastrophic for our church. And I just, I, God, I don't know what you're doing. I trust you. We got to pray. We got to wait on you, God. What are you doing? And, uh, and then within a few hours, God started kind of resurrecting some others. So there's some other possibilities that people are looking. This week's been full of that. So I just asked you to pray in faith that Jesus would be honored and he would bring a buyer to a property. And the church said, no, you said, I'll pray. I'll pray hard. But then all that's going on. And then before I knew it, something else happened. Then I came into the office. And I went back to my back office to the prayer room. I went to get something. I smelled that smell you don't want to smell. It's mildew. You know what mildew tells me? Something's wet in here. And I went down to my knees. I wasn't being spiritual. I went down to my knees. And I felt the carpet. I went, oh, no. It's wet. The air conditioner overflowed out of the closet right here. My office is behind it. It flooded my back office. Thank the Lord for Sir Pro and Bruce Bowen. They came out and they cut my walls out. They sucked up carpet. This all happened in the same day. Me and Jesus are like this, you know? And, and, and I'm watching deals fall apart. I'm watching, I'm going, Lord, the cattle, the stall is empty. There's no cattle in the stall, but I will praise you, God. And you know what? And then he had me scheduled the next day to go speak to who? The homeless. I went over to the mercy house and I ministered to the homeless the other day. And I ministered to people that are having a hard time. And God filled my tank, and I saw the goodness. I saw the New Testament church at work. I prayed with a guy seven years ago outside that building that one day they would build a house that would touch the people of West Montgomery. I got to walk through it the other day in faith. 
I got to walk through the day and speak the word of God. I got to pray with people. I got to see people coming in and getting showers. I didn't see them getting a shower. They, they had showers there. They got groceries. They got fed. Man, it was awesome. I said, the kingdom is at hand. And the church said, but you got to fix your eyes on him. Because I got to tell you, if you fix your eyes on this world and on the things that happen here, you get depressed, can't you, church? So, Lord, we want to look to you. My help comes from the Lord. Amen. So, uh, I really departed from the message, but I feel like I need to give some testimony this morning about the goodness of Christ and what he's doing and how hard it can be, but how he's faithful. So let's don't indulge ourselves so much. Let, let me move here because we're, we're, we're going to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I land this because this is good. All right, look at verse 7. Verses 7 and 11, patience, endurance. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for rains in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Now, as you look at that right here, right in here, number one, waiting isn't passive. We think, well, we wait, man, we just give up. Well, we do give up. We trust him. And waiting has never been a passive effort to the Lord. So, Lord, you know, because I know a lot about waiting like you. We spend a lot of our time waiting. If you don't believe that, make a doctor's appointment this week and go to the doctor and see if they'll let you wait. It just happens. You wait to graduate. It seems like forever. You wait to get accepted into a college. You wait for your job offer. You wait for your test scores. You wait for your loved ones to come to Christ. You that aren't married, you're waiting for Mr. Right and Miss Right to come. And it's like, God, I don't know if it's coming. You wait for somebody to buy your house. You wait, you wait, wait. I mean, life is full of waiting, but we wait here for the return of Christ. Waiting is one of the hardest parts of the Christian life. I really believe that. But Jesus does not abandon us he does not neglect us he is for us he loves us and it's not passive resignation it's lord i trust you lord i give up my rights i trust you i persevere it's not passive lord here's what passive means. i want, I want you to write this right beside passive passive means you and i get out of the way god do what you want to do i wait on you i don't want to be a roadblock all right, look at the second one here. Wait expectantly. Be patient in that. Consider the farmer. The farmer knows more about waiting than any occupation I know. Bugs, hailstorms, droughts, on and on. I mean, they deal with, that's why it's, so many people are getting out of farming because they've lost the farm. <laughs> they, so much has happened. How many are grateful for farmers this morning? I mean, how many enjoyed eating today? I mean, you ought to be grateful. You ought to pray for farmers. God, increase them, expand them. And right now, how many of you want to go to university and you want to get a degree in something doing with farming? Probably none of you. How many of you want to be a farmer? See, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, let me ask another question. How many of you want to eat today? Okay, so thank, thank God for a farmer. So they wait. You know what farmers teach us? Long suffering. See, I like the word short-suffering. I don't like the word suffering at all, but short-suffering opposed to long-suffering. Which one do you want to do? Short. Which one does God enroll you in? Long. And if you're real slow, long. Like the other day, I listen to podcasts sometimes on my prayer walk. And the other day, I didn't know what happened. It sounded like Actually, I make myself listen to the message I preach to you once a week. It's very brutal, but I try to grow as a communicator. And it's like Pastor Keith had a stroke. Something happened to the speed of it. Hello, what's going on? I mean, it was, it was horrible. And then I listened to a few others, and 
they sounded bad too anyway and, and then I called Rachel said Rachel dad is not technically savvy and you know what my sweet daughter she always just smiles she goes dad I know and she fixed it in three seconds thank you God how many are grateful for kids that have a lot more clue than you do my grandson's two and a half and I got a feeling he already probably knows more about my devices than I do I know my granddaughter does at six I know you're saying, you're pitiful. I am pitiful. All right, let's do this real quick. Isn't it fun to make fun of me? No. Make fun of yourselves. But I make fun of me because it's my life and my witness, and, and it's your, at my expense, you can laugh and have fun and go home and go, man, we got life good. Look at our pastor. Okay. I'm glad I could be your entertainment for the morning. All right, waiting is a passive. Wait expectantly. C, wait graciously. When you're tired, when you're scared, when you're angry, when you're backed in a corner, wait in a gracious manner. That's what James would tell us. Wait on the Lord's return. He will return quickly for his church. He will come back as he promised. And then verse 9, let's just look at that quickly. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Grumble, groan, sigh. They have more money. They have more stuff. They're happily married. They have perfect children. Anybody ever met any perfect children? Besides my grandkids? Okay, I just want to know. All right. They don't treat me right. They looked at you the wrong way. They don't respect me. I mean, we just grumble, 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 grumble. It, it doesn't honor God. So God, today, help me, help us not to grumble. Help us to be patient. Help us to persevere in the spirit of Christ with humility and joy in our hearts that Christ would be exalted over the circumstances of our life. There's some difficult circumstances in this room. There's some testimonies in this room. There are people right now that are battling cancer throughout our body. And Jesus is greater than the cancer in the church said. My friend just walked in a minute ago that suffered a stroke over a year ago. And when he walked in, I went, great is the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And we've gone through so much stuff in this room. Addictions and problems and, you know, upset kids and prodigal kids. And I don't know, I mean, you could just... The economy and your business and your house and you had a fire, you had a dog and your dog bit you. I mean, I don't know. Just life can be hard. But God's greater than the circumstance. You know, that's what God just wants me to close with today. God is great. Let's give me the last one. Wait patiently. Lord, help me to wait on you because you are the judge and you stand at the door. And Lord, I want to endure. I want to be strong. I want to be a blessing to others. This morning, as I finish with that, waiting patiently, I think we need to witness like the prophets. We need to persevere. We need to be faithful. And what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to close. You don't have to come to the piano. We're, we're good, Jer. You're, you're so kind. I, no, you're, you're so good. That, that was his key. But hey, this morning, I, I, I shared a testimony, so I, I got to cut it because I want you to get the body life. I hope you'll share honestly today about some questions. I don't think they're going to come up on the screen. Something happened with the guy that's doing them and I don't want to throw him under the bus, but we'll talk tomorrow. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened, but I have some handouts for you leaders today. So right now, you that are leaders uh, that you said you would lead today, would y'all stand up? Would y'all just stand up and help out? Sandy, you said you would lead today. All right, good. You, you, you get a bonus. Jesus will give you credit for that. Somebody, <laughs> Eric, you get double credit. Praise God. You're, you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. That, hey, that's, that's five leaders right now. Now, let me tell you something. This ain't going to work. There's, there's four of y'all in one section, okay? 
So we need some, we need, y'all need to, these groups, can, can I just do something with y'all real simple? I went to elementary school a long time ago, okay? And when I say groups of 8 and 10, y'all do 18 and 20, okay? So let's do a little bit better today. If you're in a group and you see more than 12, go. I think you talk about me. You're right, okay. So right now, I don't want to grumble this afternoon. Break up in small groups, circle up, and let's have some questions. I'll give you some more sheets, okay?